0: That uh, I'm preaching from my iPhone today, which is uh, a little different for me. Uh, I like the ability to be able to walk around, go back and forth as long as everyone's out of the way. Like Pastor Steve, uh, he's a little bigger than me, so I can't do anything about that one. Um, it, but we are glad that you're in church today. It's exciting. If you're new to our church, we want to welcome you. Um, we just what a blessing it is to have a, a full house. We had um, our first service is at eight thirty. And this service continues to grow and grow, so we're very, very excited about that. Um, today we are talking about, we're starting a new sermon series about Rethinking Church. And this is a, a great sermon series, it's, it's looking at church and how we do church. And uh, today my, my sermon is, is, we are just more than a sermon. Uh, the next couple of weeks we're going to focus on worship is not what you think. It's not just worshiping, but it's also um, just living your life for our, our Heavenly Father. Tithe and giving are different, and finding your place to serve. So we've got a, quite a few different um, sermon topics coming up, which really is going to, I think, have a big impact, impact applications upon each one of our lives. So the cool thing is, um, Lori and I, we, we go through these phases. I, I want to look at our life and see where we're at. Yesterday we had a birthday party for 18-year-old uh, daughter Today is our granddaughter's one-year-old birthday party. And then we have one more daughter who will turn 17 in June, or she'll turn 18 in June. So our lives is kind of like, uh, hopefully, we'll be empty nesters someday. Uh, you know, I know that you kind of come back, and that's a blessing. We love our kids. You know, but it's interesting that we've been reflecting our lives, uh, where we are in ministry, where we are with our, 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 our work, church, our faith, and everything. And I want to tell you that this sermon today is probably more for me it is for you, just to let you guys know that. So you guys just get the honor to listen into a sermon that I'm going to preach for myself. Um, but as we, as we do this, I hope some applications are there for you as well. Uh, it's, it's very interesting. As we look at the church, we look where we are. Um, and, you know, this is when I was in Bible college, I, I didn't expect the church scenario to be where we are today. I think some churches as, as a whole, and when I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about as a whole in America, okay, not just ordinary faith, but this has lots of um, application for you and I. I think there are times that we have, we have lost some ways in what is important and what is not important. Uh, I think we have lost uh, our, our concept of what we should be talking about in church and what we should not be talking about in church. Uh, and one thing I want you, I want you to understand is when, we, when I talk about church, I'm not talking about the building. I'm not talking about this building or the steeple down the street. I'm not talking about anything here. I'm talking about if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you've dedicated your life over to him, you are the church. You are the body. You are the arms. You are the legs. You are the neck. You are the muscles of Jesus' body. And I want you to understand that. So when I talk about church, I may mess up once in a while and say the building as the church. But I'm so thankful that the church is here. Because one thing, I think we've done something different as Laura and I have looked at our lives, uh, my life is pretty predictable. I, I wake up at 4.30, five o'clock in the morning, I go to work, I'm on the road around five, I get to work around six, I go to work, I do my job, I come home, I hang out with my family, we eat dinner, do some visitations or whatever we do, and then I go to bed. That's pretty much my life. Is that your guys' life too? Okay, oh, except TV, we gotta throw TV in there once in a while too. Uh, Diane's name the stars, or, or whatever y'all watch, I don't watch that kind of stuff. Um, but it, that's kind of our lives, that we, in my, my thought process is, as, as I have been looking through the studies, some studies in the last three weeks, is walking by faith. What does it mean to walk by faith? And that's something I'm doing in my own personal studies. Am I walking by faith? Is, is my life being challenged by the scriptures, or is my life pretty mundane? Is it, is it pretty predictable, pretty consistent, and I know exactly what's going to take place? Most of the time it is, except sometimes you get some wrinkles thrown in there, and you have no idea what's happened, taking place. Um, just a look just to let you know, um, I'm a fast speaker, and uh, someone said that in the first service. You just got to keep up, okay? There's a lot of important things we got to cover. If you can't keep up, just listen to it later, and you you, on your way to work tomorrow, okay? That's my, that's my uh, little advice for you today, because there's just 45 minutes is way too short. Um, You know, in the Old Testament, people preach for hours and hours. Eutychus, I mean, Peter was preaching, he was on a windowsill. He, would have, he fell asleep during Peter's sermon. It's not okay to fall asleep during people's sermons, okay? It's not. Because you know what happened to Eutychus? Eutychus fell out of the window and he died. Bad things happen when you fall asleep. Uh, now, I'm just joking. I always remember Eutychus, because my dad says, really bad dad joke, pastor joke, uh, You would have cussed too if you fell out the window. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard that. His name is Eutychus. Okay, never mind. I'm not even going to explain it. So, but here's, here's the thing, church is more than a sermon. This is, our life is supposed to be more than just coming together, worshiping God, listening to a great sermon, and then going home, and today's especially a great sermon, uh, and all the sermons of the past have been great as well. But the beautiful thing is, with God, ch- church is something more than just coming together and worshiping. Church is actually supposed to be doing life together. And I will tell you how Lori and I have been looking at our lives, we've been kind of exclusive, that it's me, my wife, and we let some people in. And the thing is, church is not supposed to be like that. Church is really supposed to be an open lifestyle, that an open ability to live together, to be able to focus on the scriptures, to pray together, to look after each other, and look for the returning of Jesus Christ. That's what they did in the book of Acts. And I really want to encourage you, if you haven't read the book of Acts lately, it's a phenomenal book. My excitement, where I get excitement is from looking at the book of Acts and seeing how God did some miraculous events. And how, if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever, and I don't want to take anything out out of context, but I think the church should be reflecting what we did in the New Testament in the book of Acts. I truly think we should be seeing some things happen in our life, in the church's life, because miracles are a sign for the unbelievers. The way the church grows, Michael and I was talking about this morning, the way the church grows is by persecution, normally. The way the church grows the fastest and the, the, the just that the, the flourishes is by the persecution from outside. Let me tell you, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be persecuted. I would rather the church grow by evangelism. I'd rather the church grow by doing what we're supposed to do rather than be comfortable. But you know, if it, takes, if it takes suffering, if it takes persecution for someone to come to Jesus Christ, sign me up. And that is something I don't say lightly. But what I want to challenge you today is are you stagnant in your faith? Is church, just coming to church, coming to the building, worshiping, listening to a sermon, and going home, is that church? That's not the definition of what the Bible says what church is all about. Church is about us doing life together and having people's lives transformed in a powerful, powerful way. Seeing people healed, seeing people uh, t- 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 take, uh, make whole all together. So let me ask you this. Jesus envisioned a church that makes a difference in the world. Today, if you, think, if you talk about church, most people think it's an institution, it's a denomination, it's a religion, set of traditions, organization, it's family. We're all the family of God. I'm sorry, I'm not making fun of that song. It's just one of my, my things. Um, I may have been making fun of it. I'm sorry, uh, some people think church is all about listen, listening to someone speak and then go home. What church is is something that's going to be different. Jesus thought church was completely different. Okay, I will tell you this. When I was growing up, we, we were in a, I love my church. My home church is where I received my foundation. My mom and dad's home church. They've been going there 44 years. But I will tell you, when I was, when I was a kid, when I was a young person, church, being a good Christian, was keeping rules and regulations. That's really what church was. You don't chew, you don't smoke, you don't, um, and you don't hang around people that do. Yep, we went to the same church. Not really, just thousands of miles apart. You know, I remember my mom and dad saying, "A good Christian goes to church every single Sunday." The reason why you don't go to church is because you're dying. That's the only reason my mom and dad said you could skip church. Okay, we've had to work on our theology a little bit here and there, but also, I guess I do preach that same thing to my my kids as well. But it's interesting that church. There's a difference between being the church and keeping rules and regulations. Christianity is not about rules and regulations. It's not about keeping the rules, but it's having a personal relationship with Jesus and knowing where you were and knowing how other people can get to where you are at the very moment. Because I tell you, I want to be excited when I come to church. I want to be ex- Okay, uh, just give you a quick example. I had a, a um, uh, coffee with someone this week, and they asked me, the very first questions, they asked me, hey, have you ever been diagnosed for ADD? Nope, I haven't, Like, my mom and dad, they kind of beat that out of me when I was a kid, but uh, I will tell you, if we get off, uh, off track, and bless Michael's heart, bless anyone's heart who was here the first service, because it's a completely different service, because we are going to go like different rabbit trails, so that's why you got to keep up with me, okay, because I am, it, when I get excited, and Bruce said me, I still talk too quick in the first service, I thought i talked slow, so we're going to work on talking slow, okay, All right, that did not work at all, so let's go on. But when I get excited about church, when I get excited about the relationship we have with people, I get very, very motivated. You know, I love to come to the building, church, because I like to harass people in a good way. Remember, I'm HR, so I know what the term means. I I like to be sarcastic with people. I like to jab a couple people in the ribs because I know it really gets them. Uh, That's just laying hands on people. Uh, It's a biblical thing. I love coming together because how often do we bring excitement, not just excitement, compassion and love to people who are going through a difficult time? This is what this is supposed to be about, not just us listening to a sermon, but you ministering to people on a minute-by-minute on a minute basis when they are coming through the doors. That's what church is about. So, th- so let me tell you, this is why this sermon is for me, because I need to change some things in my life. I, I do. So Jesus wanted to accomplish something in his ministry. Let me ask you the question that with, with today, Jesus went out to search the lost and those who were hurting. He wanted to bring people into a relationship with him. He wanted to heal people. He wanted to be there and working with people. Do you realize that ministry is messy? Ministry is a very, very messy thing because you are dealing with people's lives. How many of you really like to listen to people's drama? I'm a non-drama guy. I still listen to drama because I want to make sure they understand. I listen to them, then we'll hopefully you'll be able to tackle the problem and get past this drama. But I'm not a drama guy. I hate drama. But there are times that people need to be able to Talk and to vent and to be able to tell you all the things. Man, you want to talk about drama? You should see in my life. It's a reality show. It's truly, if I could tell you everything happening in my life with all my family members, it is seriously, we can make millions. We could buy a new church through the, my reality show. Isn't that true? I won't bring my wife into it. Um, amen. Leave the wife out. She's coming in later, though. It's uh, in my notes. So, so the church. What is the church? The church is uh, is a Greek word compound word, literally meaning being called out. The church people is a call out from the world in order to ch- be the people of God. Church is in a building. So, if you claim to know, this is a very important point. When you claim to know Jesus, that He has called you out to be the church. The ways, the philosophy, and the values and the morals of the world, in order for you to be the people of God to each other and the people of the world. Your job as the church is not to remain in this building once we leave. Once we leave this building, you are the church going out to be the arms and the breath and the not the breath, the, 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 the arms and the feet of Jesus Christ. to serve him. Let's go down and go to Matthew, okay? Remember, scripture is more important than anything else I will say. Scripture is more than an important thing that any, any, any preacher will say. So Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 37. I'm sorry. I'm, uh, okay, we'll get a drink of water. I, I don't think I even made it through half the sermon the first time, did I? He doesn't know. Okay. All right. So Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 37 said this. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages in the area teaching the synagogue and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and healed every kinds of diseases and illness. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. It's interesting, when we look at this, we see that Jesus was willing to travel to different places where the people had the greatest needs. He went to different areas. He went to Galilee. He went to, uh, to Bethsaida. He went to the places where people were having difficulty. And everyone he came in contact with, he ministered to those people. That's why Jesus always has spent so much more time with the Father, because he ministered to people all the time. He taught them about what re- really matters, the spiritual things and, the, and not just the earthly things. I will tell you, my friends, that when I was a child, we didn't talk about the things that were important, what kids were going through during that time. We talked about being whole, and don't don't get me wrong, these things were important. We talked about being holy, we talked about being set apart, we talked about tithing, we talked about giving, we talked about all the spiritual things that we do in life, but sometimes when I was a kid, we didn't talk about the necessities of what I was going through during that time of my own life. We didn't talk about pornography, we didn't talk about lust, we didn't talk about gossip, we didn't talk about slander, we didn't talk about how marital issues your mom and dad, or divorce, We talk about all these other things, but sometimes the church doesn't focus on what we really need to focus on. When some people are going through hurting moments, guess what they need? They need the Word of God. They need to know that, hey, you're not odd, you're not weird, because your family is going through trials and tribulation. It is a God-given promise that Christians are going to go through those events. And that, my friends, if you don't believe me, James chapter 1, verse 2, consider it all pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of any kind, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. The best way we grow as Christians is through trials and tribulations, and who in the world want to go through those things? Not me. I, I'm sorry, I don't. Do I want to grow? Absolutely. Do I want to go through the trials? No, I really don't. It's interesting, so I think we need to talk about some things that are happening in our children's lives, that are happening in our adult lives, and also happening as we get older. Am I still valued as a person? I've heard more and more times older people think they have no value to the church. They have no value in society. You are so far from the truth, because I treasure the wisdom and the value every single group of that has of the treasure, the, of the nuggets you guys possess. You guys know what it means to go through a child with rebellious. You know what it means to have a death of a child. You know older people have such value in our society that we need you to be raising up to teach younger people what the trials have been for you and how you were able to correlate that with the Scripture and be able to show us the promises of the outcome that young people can get over it and overcome those v- with, victor- with victory. Does that make sense? So older people, I want you to understand. No matter where you are in life, and a lot of you are older than me. Many people are, <laughs> uh, and I'm not making contact, eye contact with anyone. Uh-huh. Uh, but some people are older. And you know what? I treasure you. I truly treasure you. Young people, you are the breath, the new breathness of life in the church. And so what I want to tell you is he also announced someone who made Jesus came as an announcer that he was coming as king. He healed and demonstrated that God cares about the whole person. It's interesting we look at the crowds. The New Testament author calls them were simply the common, ordinary, everyday people of life. Those people who were following Jesus were just normal, everyday people. They they really were. Guess what? They were like you and me. They were common people and needing something in their life. Now, do you remember, okay, if you're a, if you're not a Christian yet, there'll be at some point in your life where you will remember that when you dealt with guilt, you dealt with shame, you dealt with condemnation, you dealt with those things, and maybe you still deal with those things. And if you do, I encourage you to listen to the last four sermons that Michael preached because they are tremendous on overcoming the, the guilt and the shame and becoming a sonship, becoming a son of Jesus Christ. But it's interesting, the people that follow Jesus, I want to tell you this, Jesus was not a good church growth kind of guy okay i don't know if you understand what i'm saying we do a lot to try to bring people in to share the word of god with them do you know what jesus says eat my flesh and drink my blood and you will have eternal life it sounds like a zombie movie it it truly does or take up your cross daily and follow me Very, very important scriptures. That means as soon as you pick up that Roman cross, you are proclaiming that you are going to die. That's what the the Jewish people knew. As soon as you pick up a cross, you are going to die. How many people in church growth really want to pick up a cross knowing that they're going to die for Jesus Christ? Many people fled from Jesus. Many people couldn't handle the teaching of Jesus because they couldn't handle the truth of Jesus. Some of these people who who followed Jesus wanted a free meal. You know that kind of guy? That kind of person? You, you, you just kind of hang around. They kind of hang around until you say, hey, no, I'm not paying for your million more. And they finally leave. Okay, I, I know some people. But, uh, I, I, it's, it's, it, but it's interesting that the religious leaders, they didn't really weren't concerned with Jesus' teachings. They were to a degree, but they were more concerned about him taking their power away. You know, the influential, be able to live in a lifestyle that ordinary people couldn't live. Things really haven't changed too much in 2,000 years, has it? And what I mean by that, there are organizations, churches, where people get paid thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars while people who are suffering send money in or whatever it is, and people are struggling while other people are living very, very well. It's interesting to me that Jesus, the leaders of the church, of the, of, I'm sorry, leaders of the synagogue of the Jewish religion always had a problem with Jesus, because most of those leaders didn't have compassion upon the normal person, the ordinary person. And we are called to have compassion and love for the ordinary, because that makes us extraordinary. And so as we're going to talk about this, the people became weary, burdened with guilt, shame, burned out of religion, and they were confused. The people end up mentally confused, emotionally confused. They didn't know what religion wasn't working. Have you ever been in a situation where someone told you just church doesn't work for me? I've been told that several times. I I know young people. Michael, just church doesn't work. Well, you know what? The way we do church sometimes, I completely understand the the reason why church doesn't work. Because if you are isolated... If you come to church, you worship, you listen to the announcements of a sermon, and then you go home and that's your church life, that's your relationship with God, that's not much of a relationship. A relationship is when you spend time together with, the, with a person that you want to build that relationship with. It's a time that you're able to, to, to open up. Question, how many times have you really opened up to people? Mm. It's ugly sometimes, isn't it? When you truly open up to someone and you say, these are my struggles, these are my, my problems, my issues, then it, you really have to trust that person to open up. And a lot of people don't want to open up because there's no trust. These people were helpless. They possessed no spiritual strength. It's interesting. I think the church today, we have the form of godliness but no power. I, I think that we as Christians, as a whole in the United States, remember I'm not just talking to you, and this is not a, I'm not trying to beat you up. This is more for me once again. Just want you to let you know that, Joe, you're just you're listening. I, I think that on Sundays I want to look good. I I I I I shave, I comb my hair, you know, I take a shower, w- whatever it is. I you know, as because as a good Christian back in the day, you look good every Sunday. You know, and I'm thinking, that's not that's not church. If that's what church is, that's only it's not going to work. If there's no power behind what we stand for then that's the issue. And I will tell you, my friends, I am, I am I'm, I'm searching so strongly on what it means to walk by faith, but also what it means to, to be encountered by the Holy Spirit. I want to know, am I missing something in my spiritual life that I haven't received, I haven't got, I, haven't, I don't know about? Because I will tell you, my friends, it's time for us to quit being complacent it's time for us to quit being lazy. It's time for us to just come into church, do our thing, and then we leave. It is really time for us to be serious about what Jesus was serious about. It, that's where we are with our relationship with our spouse, isn't it? Whatever my lo- wife loves, what she's interested in, I'm going to show interest as well. Vice versa, I want to be involved with what's going on in her life so we, have her, we can make a connection there, whatever it is. And so with this, with God, it's the same way that we need to make sure that we have received everything we need from God. Because I think, my friends, I think we're missing some things. Because if I'm just coming in, once again, listening to a sermon, going home, and doing life as a whole by myself, where does that fall into Scripture? Where does that fall up in the line where God is at? He says believers, come together, pray together, focus on the teaching of the word, focus on communion, focus on going out and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what God wants us to do. So it's interesting. I don't think two thousand things have changed. I think we have changed. Nothing has changed we are still doing the same thing over and over again. It's interesting, when Jesus would look on the hillside, he would see people. They came from everywhere. They wanted something from Jesus, but Jesus had compassion on them. How many of you, I really want you to raise your hand. How many of you are really good with compassion? Raise your hand. Okay, some of you are. Some of you aren't. I, I know sometimes I'm good with compassion. Sometimes I'm thinking, hey, okay, let's move on. All right. I I don't know. Sometimes I'm good. Sometimes I'm bad. But it's amazing to me that Jesus, every time he saw the crowd, what did he do? He had compassion upon the crowd. Jesus was one patient guy. Oh, my goodness. A lot more people would not be around if I was in charge. I mean, just because it's like, seriously, Lord, how long are we going to continue doing the same thing over and over again? And then I look at my own life, and guess what? I'm one of those people doing the same thing over and over again, expecting something different. But it's interesting, as we look at the scriptures, he had compassion on them. Some wanted to hear a great teacher. Some wanted something from him. But at the very core, Jesus being felt agony over these people. So I want you to think about this. With what God, what breaks God's heart, has it broken your heart? You know, we we live in a society where it's the society is based upon us, based upon you. And we can we can have we have movements, we can have things that we're very focused on, but really, when I look at Jesus's life, a prayer I have more and more for my life is God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I want you to understand if you're. Just, just just, hold on for a second. This is for the church. There are people who are going to go to hell if they die without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And a lot of us aren't concerned. We're not concerned about people's salvation. We are more concerned about whether we have words on a screen, comfortable chairs, w- whatever it is that each one of us has gone through that. So one prayer, I have been saying, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Because this is where the church can have a huge effect upon our society. Knowing that we can touch people's lives and knowing that you are going to touch someone and bring their life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Please please get that. That's always a basis. Power of the Holy Spirit. But we bring someone to a relationship with Jesus. Their life is changed by generations because once they find Christ, they're going to teach your children about Christ. They're going to teach your grandchildren about Christ. And what more do you want is knowing that your children, your wife, is saved and sanctified. And if they ever die, or if Jesus comes back, that they are going to be in heaven for all eternity with you. That is the most important thing, my friends. It's more important than anything we do on a regular basis. But we have lost our sight on what is important, and that is bringing people to Jesus. Let me tell you this. I don't know where I'm at in my notes, but it's Okay. Because I have issues. All right, so with that, uh, the first step is just admitting you, admitting you have issues. The first, okay. Uh, um, okay, so I did this first sermon, cause it's the first sermon too. We, I, I, I love going out to dinner, talking to people, talking to waitresses, uh, waiters, whatever they are. You know, and the thing, thing is, do you know who are the grouchiest and the cheapest people are on throughout the week? Christians. What kind of reputation is that? That we are the cheapest and the grouchiest people on Sundays. Don't don't get me wrong, that's not every one of us. I mean, that's just a that's a that's a whole lump of people dropped into the bucket together. But is that how we are? Francis of Assisi once said, "Everywhere I go, I preach the gospel, and if I have to, I use words." Meaning, my life should be a reflection of who I believe in and who I serve on a daily basis. That is my desire that when people see me, they realize I'm a Christian, not because of my, action, or not because of my words, but because of what I do on a daily basis. I want people to be dr- drawn to me through the Holy Spirit to be able to say, "Michael, what's wrong, what, what's wrong, or what's different with you?" Because that people will draw, be drawn, I believe people are drawn to the Holy Spirit. I people will be, believe that people will be drawn when they are having con- or crises that they will be drawn to you because you will have the knowledge and the understanding of the Scriptures to be able to help them. It's interesting. Also, um, have you ever been lumped in together? Um, okay, so I work in HR, and this week I went out with a union steward, and I want to get the perspective of HR on our plant. And I knew I was going to ask some questions I didn't want the answers to. Uh, but I thought, okay, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to change this place for the good of Jesus Christ. So I asked some questions. So I went out. We were asking questions. What do you think about the HR department? What do you think about this? And this one gentleman, he talked to me. He said, Michael, you know, I've only, I asked him the question. Michael, um, or I said, um, hey, what do you think about the HR department? And he looked at me, squared it in my eyes. He says, Michael, you know, I've only had one dealing with the HR department. And that was with you. I said, Okay. He said, I have no faith at all in the HR department. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, it's, it was just truthful. I mean, I said, can I quote you on that? Oh, yeah, you can tell everyone I believe in that. Okay, there's issues, and I can't go into those issues. But I thought, man. So someone is basing upon their thought process, upon an organization, off one person. I know that's not right. But do you realize that's what the world does with us? That there's one person out there that was mean to him. There's one person out there that did not do something right. And they say the whole Christianity thing is by the wayside. But I want to tell you, unfortunately, sometimes their opinion is correct. That we do stupid things. One, because we are human. But two, because we forget our mission is to bring people to Jesus Christ. That is our mission, my friends. Not coming in and listening and eating donuts and having coffee and having a social club. And I'm not saying we do that, because I know there are so many people in our church that are thriving in ministries, but our goal is to bring people to a saving relationship to Jesus. We don't have a harvest problem. We have a reaper problem. The Scripture tells us that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That is where our problem is as a church, is that we chew, we we everyone's okay. Everyone's all right. There's no issues. There's no problems until someone's laying on their deathbed that they call a pastor. Please try to save them. God has called us to do this today. Romans chapter 10, 14 through 15 says this, how can you believe in him if you have never heard about him? How can you hear about him unless someone tells them? How will anyone go and tell them about being sent? This is why scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. The problem is, is the, the harvest. The problem is our hearts haven't been broken. The problem is that we don't love the things that Jesus loves. We like what we like. We have not been stuck at, struck at the core over lost people and the things that matter. We have forgotten that people are going to go to hell without Jesus. And once again, if you're a non-believer here, I don't want to scare you. I, my, my goal is not to scare you into a salvation, to a relationship with Jesus. My I want to be truthful with you. But believers, the church, I want you to understand that you should earnestly be praying for your lost family members, your lost friends. Because if you don't, who is? I am the only position I am except my mom and dad earnestly prayed for me on a day-by-day basis basis to make sure I was on the straight and the narrow. Every morning, my mom tells me, I come praying for you. You can do it. So Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, no one else can save us. Indeed, he can be saved only by the power of the one that named Jesus, only not by any other person. The church is more than just a good sermon. It's giving our lives over to Jesus. It's interesting that here's the point that uh, I, I want to bring out. I, I'm, I'm sorry if we're messed up on our slides. But um, it's, it, there are times in my life, It's as ministry, to do the welcome table, do whatever, it's easier to do it myself rather than teach people, rather than show people how to do ministry because ministry is messy. You know, but but what our jobs is, Steve's jobs, Michael's jobs, my job is to teach you how to do the work of the Lord, to be able to equip you on how to pray, how to welcome people, how to love people, how to show people, uh, how to teach people, how to bring people to Jesus. It's our job as pastors to teach you and train you and then send you guys out to do the work of the Lord. You guys will be able to touch people that we would never be able to touch. You guys have relationships with people that I don't even know who these people are, but with, through the loving gentleness that God has put upon your life you can bring these people to a saving relationship through Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit that's only if you want to my friends, it's so much isn't it easier to just sit in church and go home oh my gosh it is so easy uh, in my opinion, we sit, we eat, we go to Arby's or, or wherever. I'm not endorsing some restaurant, so please don't get me wrong. Uh, I guess I worked at unions too long now. Uh, you know, we, 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 we go out and we do these things, and then we go home. That's pretty easy lifestyle. We t- and plus, we have a nap on Sunday afternoon. Then we watch, the, amen, we watch the football game, football game, whatever, hunting, whatever, and then we go on our lives. That is a piece of cake. Then we think about it. Maybe we haven't thought about it, where we are witnessing for Jesus. Maybe you are an introvert, and you don't want to talk to people. How many of you, don't raise your hand, because it will embarrass you. How many of you are introverted people? There are a lot of you. I will tell you a secret. My wife is one. All right, and I will tell her, honey, you should do this. No, I don't want to do that. Honey, yeah, you hear that grunt? I said, honey, you really should do that. That would be wonderful. No, no. I don't want to do it. I said, well, I said, well, I was talking to God the other day, and he said, you should. <laughs> she says, no, you know, because she was talking to him as well. And anyway, you know, but I will tell you, introverted people, I love you guys, but I, I don't understand you sometimes. Because I am one, as you know, who will just start talking, and I, I am like Peter. I will get myself into trouble the more I talk. That's why Michael only gives me 45 minutes, and then I'm done. But that's the thing. With introverted people, you may think, well, I I can't worship. I can't lead worship because I'd be in front of people. I can't speak. I can't do that. I don't want to be a greeter because I'm going to be talking to people. But you know what you could do? Just throwing small things out there for you. You could teach children's church, which I know that's pretty scary. Or you could send cards to people who are not doing well and say, hey, we as a church love you and we thank you. And this is a card from us. We just want to tell you that we are here for you. Introverted people... Okay, I'll tell you this. My wife is a whole lot smarter than me. That's just, there's no doubt about it. She is much smarter. Uh, but with her. And with you, introverted people, there's so much you can do for the kingdom of God that you think, I can't do these things because it's in front of people. There are so many ministries. Setting up chairs, setting up tables, shoveling snow for people, cooking pe- for people, all those different types of things. When you do that for Jesus, you're doing it for other people as well. Or when you do it for people, you're doing it for Jesus. That's a great ministry right there. They will never let me worship, or they'll never let me up on the stage. We all know that. I have no rhythm, I can't sing, and I can't remember the songs. That's really my life right there when it comes to worship because I make up my own songs and they're, everyone else is wrong. <laughs> they just wrote it wrong. That's why I tell the Lord. And so with that, but if you're extroverted, guess what? You can do so much as, as the introverted as well. You can invite people to church. And guess what? If you're introverted, once again, let's, okay. I don't know if I gave you the definition. Introverted, people that are shy, but not, people that are quiet, reserved, well-thought. Those are introverted people, people that are ex, uh, extrovert people are outgoing. People don't, don't always think before they speak. Uh, that's me. I'm not pointing at you. That's me. You know, there's a two different classifications there, but with all of us, God takes ordinary people to do extraordinary things. He takes people that, that we don't think we have a lot of gifts, but he does extraordinary things. You know, the disciples were unwanted people. The disciples were, they failed in the rabbinical school. As a rabbi, you would come along, you'd be walking, you'd say, hey, you look like you'd be a great rabbi, let's test, let's talk. If they didn't pass the test, they didn't pass the the information scenario, they were not, they did not continue on with the rabbinical school. Do you know every single one of the disciples failed the rabbinical school? No rabbi, no rabbi wanted the disciples, except for one, one great rabbi named Jesus Christ. And that, those ordinary people, those average people that were rejected, changed our world forever. And he can use Peter, he can use James, he can use John, he can use people like me and you to change the world for his, for his glory. Because we do it through his power, not ours. And that's the beautiful thing. As we look through these scriptures, we've got to kind of continue on. Matthew chapter 4, 18 through 19 says this. One day Jesus walked along the shore of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net in the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called them out, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. It's interesting, these people, Peter and Peter and uh, John, were not highly educated people, as I said before, but they were people willing to stop what they were doing. They were people willing to put everything behind them, quit their jobs, quit their livelihoods, to follow this guy who claims to be the Messiah. How many of you guys would do that? I would say, okay, Jesus, I need some proof. I, I need a couple of miracles. I need to see your resume. I need to see what you've done in life. I need to see where you are with the Father. Maybe I'll, I'll follow you. But guess what, my friends? We see Jesus' resume very, very clear. What he did upon the cross for each, for each one of us. And that is where we have the ability to know when we leave this building, it's not on, it's not on us, but Christ Holy Spirit, Father, is in us as we move forward to do ministry for our Heavenly Father. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of, of... I think there's a lot of people hurting. I, I really do. And I don't think we as a church even know how many people in our church is hurting. You know, physically, uh, mentally, Spiritually. And emotionally, I don't think we know. But what as, as a church is supposed to do is live life together. That means we don't isolate from others, but we let other people in to allow them to see our pain and our crises that's going on during that time. And it's, a very, big, it's very big when someone lets you in. But I will tell you, my friends, I, w- I would love to see what our a church would do is open up as a whole, that you let other people in your life during the holidays, during daily small groups, to be able to just share life together. Because we are not meant to be alone. We are meant to be a community of believers, a devout people, worshiping God and being church. You know, it's amazing. I have invited a lot of people to church. And a lot of those people say no, whether it be a waitress, waiter, wherever they are. I try to invite people to church. I even told a couple, couple of young girls when Laura and I went to dinner, um, we were dinner doing dinner. I said, I'll even give you a bigger tip if you come to church. <laughs> I did. I think, okay, it's $5 extra, $6 extra, whatever it is. But if I could get her to church, if I could build that relationship, Lord, and I could build that relationship with her just for uh, over $5, and her life would be changed forever. Would that $5 be worth it? With the ministry of us being friendly on Sunday afternoons, us living as the Holy Spirit wants us to live with the, the fruit of the Spirit. Here's a question I, I want to ask you. Do people know you're a Christian? Do people know you're a believer? They you they know you're a disciple? You know, I think sometimes it's, it's our secret. We don't want to let people know that I'm a believer. But you know what? I think people should know before I'm not trying to think, before they know I'm a hunter, before they know I'm, I'm a sports fan, before they know I'm a father of uh, and a husband. I think people should know I'm a believer in Christ first. You know, because all that other stuff really doesn't matter. They're very, very important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not putting my family down, my kids. But my relationship with God is more important than anything else. So what I want to encourage you today is get off your butts. Quit being complacent. Quit playing church like we've done for so many years but become interactive with the Holy Spirit and go by his leading. If he tells you, hey, go up and go visit that person, make that person feel welcome, pray for that person. Do you know what the most scary thing for a lot of people to do is go up to someone and say, hey, Tammy, can I pray for you? Okay, we're in church. You think she's going to say no? No, she says, uh, sure, I guess. You know, she, she may. I mean, there are some people. Some people say no, don't get me wrong. But that is what we are called to do, is to be the church of everyone we come in contact with. So that's my prayer, is that we will be the church, and that our church will be radically changed. Because we look at church not just as a sermon, but we look at it as a relationship with God changing the world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, so much for this day, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for who you are. I thank you, God, that you use ordinary people to do extraordinary events. I thank you, God, that you take people that are not well-educated, people that have been rejected, the people that have issues, Lord, and you use those people, God. I thank you for bringing to us a restoration area. I thank you, Lord, for restoring us and reconciling us, God, from our past to our future, God. Lord, you died upon the cross for us. You died for our sins, and we are no more sinners, Lord. We are holy and pure before you, God Almighty. You remember our sins no more lord i pray that you move i pray my father that we will truly our hearts will break for things that your heart has broken for lord that we will look upon people and we will see whether they are believers or not and we will introduce them to jesus christ lord i pray that we build relationships with people that are hurting that we will be able to pour into their life that we'll be able to pour life into them heavenly father I pray, Heavenly Father, just today that we will move as a church, that the churches around us in Rock Springs and Green River and our county and our country, God, and the world, Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that you move us into a loving relationship with people. Lord, that we look upon them and we see you, and we have compassion and love, and we speak truth. Lord, I pray, God, if someone's never had that decision to follow you, that they go to the tables over on the left and they make that commitment, they ask questions on who you are, that you are the Son of God, the one who is willing to die for us all. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand.